and we're back with another episode of Curiously Polar, the show about all things very north and very south. My name is Chris Marquardt, and I've brought you Henry again. Hi there. Hi, <laughs> Chris. How are you? Uh, good. Better, better connection than in the last two episodes this time. The internet is a mysterious beast. It is. It so is, probably um, something really big is going on somewhere in the world. Well, you're in Iceland, I'm in Germany, our weather is grey and dark, maybe the internet has a bit of uh, winter blues right now. I can understand that, yes. Yeah, dark, not nice. Uh, But anyway, so we are back with, uh, back from our mystery episode, (laughs) the the bleeding falls, blood falls. Um, That's interesting stuff, This, this curious little things happening on our planet that are uh well maybe not hard to explain but it takes a while sometimes it is hard to explain so someone has to find out first well after yeah. afterwards it's easy to just um reproduce the the findings but yeah, just producing the findings that's a, a tricky thing you 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 witness something and then you build a theory and then you have to test the theory and then Testing exactly. the theory means to go and take samples and bring them to a lab, and uh, sometimes the samples need to be kept in spe- specific conditions, so before they get to the lab, if they take too long to the lab, they might deteriorate, and so on and so on. So the, yeah, si- sciencing, sciencing isn't easy all the time. Indeed. So, what else uh, scientific have you brought us? Um, the, the, the world's toughest animal. Okay, so let me... Let me. That's the title of this episode. Let me take a guess. We're talking about something strong and powerful. Something big and hairy. Indeed. Are we? It depends on your perspective. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure about the hairies. Uh, it's uh, all though, relative. <laughs> okay. So, um, is it is it like a, I don't know? Is it a polar bear? Something? It's the largest um, land-based animal in Antarctica. It's the uh, largest native land-based animal. In oh, so we, we're, talk, we're talking about Antarctica. Okay, that uh, that takes care of the polar bears. Indeed. So it's is it a the, penguin? It's the counterpart of the polar bear. Does it so have a... Is there an Arctic bear? An Antarctic bear? No. An Antarctic bear? No. Is there an Antarctic... I don't know. A tough animal. I mean, is there like an Antarctic, I don't know, hyena or... Uh, it's... Even better, it is a tiny little midge. No, yes, I'm. I'm only I'm, two to six. I'm faking surprise because, of course, I've read the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's come. a it's a midge. How big is it? It's two to six millimeters long. Oh, so it's tiny, half a centimeter. Does it does it drink people's blood? It doesn't. Doesn't. And it doesn't fly either. What? Because those wings would probably just freeze in those temperatures, right? So it's <laughs> okay. Okay, let me let me get that picture straight. It's a midge that doesn't fly. That walks. Uh, does it? Does it swim? It uh, can survive uh, in water. Yeah. Is it? Does it? I mean, naturally, I guess it would probably be very. It would like the ice, or what? Wouldn't mind the ice. Well, it has adopted to the cold climate down there that good that it would actually um, kill or get killed by um, mild temperatures such um, as plus 10 degrees Celsius. Oh, that would be too warm for it. Yeah, it would 
already get too warm. Exposure to temperatures of plus 30 degrees would kill individuals within a few hours, plus 10 degrees in, in, within a week. So that's Whoa. really not made for that. It's, it's made for colder climate. So that's adaption. How does it do that? How does I I know insects here, um, some bees, wasps, and and bumblebees, and so on. When it starts getting colder, they slow down. They can't move as fast. They they don't like that. They want warm. So, how did these midges adapt to the to the cold? It's the mechanism. They have produced a lot of um, very interesting features. So they have the smallest. Um, insect genome known to the world. Um, they have only 99 million base pairs um, in their DNA, which is uh, interesting if you um, com compare that to um, other animals. For example, a bumblebee has 236 um, pairs, and a mosquito that transmit the uh, dengue fever has a 14 times longer DNA catch. So it's, it's it's a tiny, tiny DNA genome they have. Um, they have adapted um, a, a very interesting um, habit. So how can they actually with the, uh, withstand temperatures reaching as low as minus 40 degrees and... 40 Celsius? Celsius, yes. Whoa. So it's it's um it's so you it's can freeze them you can put them in the freezer and they won't mind. Yeah, probably not. I'm not sure about the freezer. Um, you need a certain environment, and the midge needs to adapt to it. So what it actually um, enables them is that they can survive a loss of up to 70% of body water. So when <clears throat> um, scientists discover that species, they found. Um, rests of those midges, and they thought, okay, um, they're dead. They look like dead raisins, shriveled, and shriveled up midges, pretty much. Exactly, and then they put them back into water, and uh, they just rehydrated and start living again. So That's they can wild. <laughs> survive a certain amount of time dehydrated. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty amazing, especially in an environment like uh, Antarctica, where you have certain periods where it's so freaking cold. So you actually um, need to adopt in a certain way. And what freezes first? Uh, water. Water, exactly. So if you lose the water out of your body system, you still survive. You're not, hmm. you, your body is not freezing um, because you're just getting rid of the body uh, of the water. <clears throat> That is interesting. So um, do we know how many there are? Uh, is that like, are they everywhere in the Antarctic or are they, are they more uh, prevalent in specific areas? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I have no idea how far they spread. Um, we know a little bit about the time, time uh, life cycle of them. So um, how old they get and when, when they are mating. Um, but there's not big of uh, of a record if they are spread all over the continent. So do, do they have a function? I mean, insects here, they might be pollinating flowers and things. Um, do they have a function or are they just down there? So one thing I learned doing that job is that everything on planet Earth, everything out in nature has a function. 
even though we haven't understood it yet, mm-hmm. there still is a function. And that makes it so interesting when we think about um, killing certain insects for getting a higher um, efficiency in agriculture, for example. Mm-hmm. They come with a purpose, they come with an intention. And um, if we just eliminating one of those species, we just taking one um, number out of an equation and we don't know how that affects the whole equation. So I don't know what the purpose of them is, actually, but um, I'm pretty sure there is one. Okay. So are they... I don't know. If we don't really know the purpose of them at this point, are they any benefit to us in any other way yeah there is definitely a benefit because if we understand how this um this midge survives that climate uh, how it adopts to that um that might help us um adopting to climate climatic situations like that so um if if we can figure that out there might be something that helps us creating better protection for um yeah the environments of uh, antarctica or even the greenland ice sheet hmm. interesting also the fact that it has this small genome is interesting so maybe simplicity can help you survive in indeed so um there there is uh kind of the saying that uh, the the antarctic mitch has uh traded um, a very small junk dna for um, being able to survive in that very extreme place. So we are not having uh, the, the, the smallest genome, but also a very limited one. It's, um, it's focusing on certain, um, certain things and taking out a lot of this higher um, uh, genomes. So if that enables, enables it to survive in that place, that's fine with me. And I can still get over the fact that it's the largest terrestrial animal on the content of Antarctica, it's na- the, the, the largest native. Native, one. Uh, okay, okay, native, hmm. and land-based um, uh, animal. Yeah. That's the, the we're important not talking thing. about anything in the water at this point. Yeah, exactly. If you just have penguins, for example, they're yeah. mo- they're, they're water-based or they're marine mammals or m- marine animals. So um, that's a different story. The Antarctic midge, very interesting. Thanks for bringing us that story, and. Uh, We'll be back in a week. Until then, if you're curious like we are, then you could try listening to some of the older episodes. We have an entire archive of now 84 episodes, including this one over on our website at CuriouslyPolar.com. Of course, you can find this show everywhere you get your other podcasts. We're on Twitter at CuriouslyPolar. And ta-da-da-da, officially announcing our Instagram account, also at CuriouslyPolar. You can find new stuff there as well and with that I say goodbye and until next week take care everyone bye bye